0: your faithfulness, uh, your giving, and also just you uh, being in God's house tonight. We really appreciate you, the worship team. Uh, I am going to ask that you would turn with me. I have a few scriptures uh, that we want to consider tonight, uh, but the main text is going to be Ezekiel 36. uh, The book of Ezekiel 36, uh, verses 26 through 28. Uh, as you go there in the Word of God, I picked up an article that came out um, not too long ago, and this was a study that was conducted by the Harvard Business School, and uh, they were trying to identify and uh, dissect the reason why somehow uh, people would get employed in a job or even get en- uh, en- en- enlist themselves in a career. And somehow when they joined the company or when they joined the job, they were so excited and pumped and they were passionate about it. There was a thrill in their hearts. And the question that somehow uh, 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 befell them was, what happened because many of them had lost heart in where they were working. And they did a study, a survey back in 2017. This was one of the most recent ones. They said only one-third of U.S. employees feel engaged at work. That is, one, only one of three workers that brings a consistently high level of initiative, commitment, passion, productivity to their job, And that leaves the majority of the employees less than satisfied with their work. And they went on to say the truth be told. There could be any number of reasons for the sense of malice. You might feel stuck doing the same thing over and over again. In fact, they went on to say you might question the ultimate meaning of the work you're doing. You might feel micromanaged or the company leaders don't know or care about your learning and growth or maybe your own growth and development since starting your career has caused you to change your passions and priorities in life. In essence, what the article was homing on tonight is how often the human being loses heart in what they do. That we start something. The Bible says that when we begin the race, we start running. And the scripture tells us that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. And as we are running that race, the Bible instructs us to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. But how many know, beloved, that there are times in our walk with God where we lose heart. And I want to talk to you about that for a few moments because if there's one thing that is commonly repeated in the Bible, if there's one thing spoken about over and over again in the Word of God, it is no doubt regarding the condition of one's heart. And I'm convinced tonight that our hearts play such a vital role and in everything we do, That so often we are blindsided as I preach Sunday morning. We can go through the mundane task over and over and over again with completely no heart involved in what we do. And I want to talk to you about this because oftentimes the question is Pastor, why am I doing? I'm praying, I'm in church. I'm giving, and I don't see God giving me breakthroughs. Why is it so that I've been coming faithfully? I've been giving generously. I've been faithful to my prayer life. I've been faithful to reading the Word. I've been doing all of these things. And I wonder tonight if we can agree that we can get so caught up into the routine of doing it, that we lose heart in why we do it tonight. In the book of Numbers 23, 19, the scripture in reminds us that God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it Good. So, what are we establishing here tonight? We first need to establish the credibility of God. In other words, if things are not going the way we expect them to go, the problem doesn't lie on God's field. We often blame God. We often point our fingers to God. We often ask the question, why isn't God answering my prayer? Why isn't God moving on my behalf? And I was just reading a story yesterday. It was so interesting about this banker uh, who went to sports toto and he won 14.4 million ringgits. And in that article, it says, it came out in the Malay Mail, it's, he says that when he went to the shop, when he went to, the, to, to, to Sports Toto, and please don't get ideas tonight, okay? <laughs> and he went to the, to the shop, and then the lady at the counter, he usually, he says, I will only bet 10 ringgit. But for whatever reason, the lady at the store said, the jackpot for this week is so much, why don't you, you know. And so when he looked into his wallet, he didn't have anything smaller than a 50 ringgit note. So he bet on the number she suggested for 50 ringgit. uh, Something like that. And so eventually he won the 14 million. He went to pick the money up. And then he quoted saying, this is an answer to my prayer. Now, I don't know about that. Because a lot of people say stuff like that under the delusion that more money means better. Can I tell you tonight, life is more than money. That's the reality, beloved. Life is more than just what you have in your bank account. And I don't know if that is really an answer to prayer because I have read enough accounts of people who have won jackpots and have earned from easy money and quick money schemes and all of that only to have it disappear in a second. That's the truth. You can go home, you can study the reality of this. But the truth be told, beloved, somewhere we have to believe that God keeps His promise. That God's end of His word is true and God will never do something out of His character. It is Satan who lies, not God. And so when God tells us that when we pray, there is something that will happen. When God tells us that when we are faithful to Him, He will honor and reward our faithfulness. When God says, when you sow, you will reap, I believe that those are promises that will come to pass. God will never lie concerning His word. God will never go out of character. The Bible says in Matthew 7, 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. Galatians 6, verses 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So if this is God's Word, and if we are truly convinced that God doesn't lie, Then now we have to ask the question, why am I not seeing what God said will happen in my life come to pass? I've been praying, I've been contending, I've been striving... And I'm not here to give you a one-size-fits-all because we know that there are many reasons to the reason that God doesn't answer our prayer. But this one singular subject that we want to talk about tonight is a vital ingredient in having God move in your lives. And this is simply what it is. Isaiah 29 verses 13, the Bible says, Therefore the Lord said, inasmuch as these people draw close to me or near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. I begin to ponder this, ask myself, what develops sincerity in a person when their heart is involved in what they do when our heart is in the right place it no doubt beloved develops in us a spirit that goes beyond drama goes beyond outward appearance goes beyond the 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 the, the, the the outward essence of what we're doing, there's something that begins to happen on the inside. We do it and it resembles our heart. When someone is truly worshiping God from their heart, you can see the genuineness in their worship. When someone truly is praying from their heart, you can see that there is a difference in the way they pray because it is a prayer that comes from the heart. Have you heard of the story of Hannah in the Bible? That here she was pouring her heart out to God, the Bible says. And the priest walked in and began to misinterpret what she was doing, assuming that she was drunk. But there was a difference in that woman's prayer versus the prayer of the priest. There was a difference between the text collector's prayer and the prayer of the Pharisee. Here's the text collector. What a sinner I am. The Bible says he beats his chest around. he beats himself on his chest and he says, you know. What, what kind of a sinner I am. But here's the Pharisee. He is on the other end. He's praying. And the context of his prayer is simply this. I thank God I'm not like him. So the question tonight then, are you here tonight with your heart? Or have you left your heart at home and physically present in this place, have you left your heart on something that you're waiting to watch and you're just here physically for the sake of being here? Have you come tonight? Have you been praying with your heart being completely sold out? God. Because this is the issue right here. It is an issue from within. And it is a question worth pondering because I have seen, beloved, people who speak right words. I have seen people who make the right statements. I have seen people who can pray so articulately, but never seem to gain God's favor or the favor of people. And and you wonder why? Because it's all outward appearance. There's something about doing it from your heart. I'm not saying that's the only significant difference, but it is one of the major things we all have to check. Have I been doing this with my heart? completely focused and given to God. And as I contemplate, as I think about this more and more, realizing that you can worship God, but your heart isn't resembling the words you speak. And this is interesting to me because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But in this case, it seems like their heart wasn't in it. This is a picture of religiosity, where relationship is absent. We know that Christianity is relationship with God. We know why we got saved. We got saved because we were told that there is a Savior who loves us. And this is why we do what we do. We do it because we know that it is our Christian virtue, and it is our sole duty, but our heart is completely given to it so let's then talk secondly about what this does because one of the scary truths is i've seen this so many times in my ministry where we can become so caught up in the mundane that we can pray every day on autopilot we can just pray i can tell you beloved relationship with people will never mature and grow when your heart isn't present in that relationship. If you only know how to speak flowery words, if you only know how to say beautiful things, you will never, never build good relationship with God and with people. This is the question we must answer tonight. Ezekiel 36, let's go there tonight. It's the main text that we want to read tonight, Ezekiel 36. Uh, We want to read a few verses there, 26 through 28. Uh, The Bible tells us tonight, I will give you a new heart, and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people, and I will be your God." So what does this what does the scripture refer us to? The Bible tells us that God simply desires our heart. You've heard me say in a number of times when Abraham was tested by God, he was told to sacrifice his only son. Isaac, and he spoke to Abraham, he says, now take your son, go up Mount Moriah, and right there you will sacrifice this young boy, and we know the story, beloved, Abraham, no doubt, he took, he took the son, he took his little boy, and not a little boy, he was about 30 years old, okay, he took this band, and he got him to follow him up all the way to Mount Moriah, to crucify, or rather, to sacrifice him, and the Bible says that the moment God saw this act, the moment God saw the obedience of this man, God came through, stopped Abraham, sent an angel, and the Bible says that he turned around and there was a ram caught in the ticket. What did God want from Abraham? He didn't want Isaac. He could have made a hundred Isaacs if he wanted to. What did God want? He wanted Abraham's heart. I tell you right here, you can tell where, the person, where a person's heart is by their obedience to God. Now, right here we find that this makes all the difference. Why am I preaching this? Because if there's one thing I'm seeing in Christianity today, I'm seeing a generation that is so distracted from their relationship with God. A generation that is thoroughly inconsistent. A generation that cannot be dependent on. A generation that seems to be so caught up in their worldly fancies that the kingdom of God suffers. And I declare to you, beloved, that right here is the difference maker. That if every one of us tonight came in for prayer tomorrow morning with all our hearts focused on God, we will shake the world. We will make a difference. If I gave myself my entire attention to spending time with my wife, I can tell you I will have a successful marriage. That's the truth. Where your heart is, there your treasure is. And when you value God, when your heart is given to God, It's a simple sermon tonight, nothing too deep tonight. But how true, we've been praying, we've been giving, we've been coming. Our physical being can be here, but our heart is elsewhere. And the book of Acts, time and time again, gives us a profound reminder that God changed the hearts of the people. So what, what's the purpose? What, why does God want our heart? Why is it so necessary that we come to God with our heart? Pastor, what's the reason? I mean, I can pray. I can just call out Jesus and I can pray how I want to pray, but why is it so important that my heart must be there? Why must my heart be set on God? Why must I be focused? Let me give you three reasons. In verses 26 of our passage, I will give you a new heart. If you come to God without your heart, I know a lot of drama that goes on. People know how to fake it. (laughs) That's the truth. That's the truth. People know how to drama around. They know the Christian lingo. I'm preaching this because I want to help you. The Bible says it is God's intention to give you a new heart. When you come to God with your heart, He in the process is exchanging your heart for a new one every time you bring your heart to him every time you enter the surgeon's territory the heart surgeon which is our great physician our lord and savior you bring your heart into the relationship you bring your heart into worship you bring your heart into church you bring your heart into prayer you bring your heart you are focused you say you know what my heart needs to be here i rebuke every distraction i command everything that will torment my mind to get away i need to be focused on jesus in that setting God can take your heart and He is able to work on it every time you come. That's what transformation is. That's where conversion happens. That's where the process of sanctification carries on. Have you wondered, why is God not working in my life? Why why does it seem I'm not growing as a Christian? You know, I was sharing the, uh, the other day, I was telling y'all as well, I, I, just, I just read a book and the guy mentioned, you know, why diet plans don't work. You want to know why? Simple reason is because people expect too much from it. So number one, what happens is they start the first day on their diet and then they expect the first day they start, they lose 5 kgs. And then when it doesn't happen... Guess what? They get disappointed. Tabo boleh lah. Buang masa Makan saja And then they go back to their... Because they get disappointed. So they start their first day with their hearts. Fully locked in. They go to the gym. They do 5km run. They get on a bike. They do 5km. And then, you know, they go swimming. On that day, they do semua. Everything you can think of. They burn like 15,000 calories. If that's even possible. But my point is they start with their heart in it. But when they don't see the results, they get disappointed, and slowly, the next day what happens? Okay, la, I just go la, for the sake of doing it. They do it, but their heart isn't there. And so guess what? The results commensurate the location of your heart. What you get out of, the, out of your workout What you get out of your relationship with God is determined with where your heart really is, and this is the risk we have to realize, beloved, when we come to God without our heart, God cannot transform us, He cannot work on us. Then you get disappointed. Why am I not changing? Why? Why is it when I first gave my life to Christ, you know, my life was transforming, I was becoming a better person. What happened? Ask yourself, where's your heart been? See, it's a simple thought tonight, but in my years of ministry, I've worked with numbers of people, start off great, and then somewhere, they begin to deplete. The second reason why the heart is so important to be engaged is because in verses 27, the Bible says uh, um, that I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. I, I want you to listen to that. L- listen, listen, listen to what he saying. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my... St- when your heart is engaged with God, you know what happens? God empowers you to live righteously. You know why so many times people fall into sin? Fall into distractions? Fall into the carnal carnality of the world? Fall into all that ungodliness? You're, you're going to read Romans chapter 7, the story of Paul. Tomorrow you're going to read that. But listen, why? Why is there a battle between the spirit and the flesh? Why is it that people sleep? When you're reading the Bible. But play a Jackie Chan movie. And watch the guy stay up. I'm saying, I mean, that's just the truth. Don't be ashamed. That's the truth from those days. From the time I got saved. People sleep when they read the Bible. (laughs) So, the, the the truth be told, beloved, somewhere, oh no, my sermon got shut off. But hey, I can preach without that. Somewhere, beloved, you're going to have to realize that there is, there is a God in heaven who desires to empower us. That there is energy when you're praying in God. That when you come to God with all your heart, You're fighting to keep your heart there. You're fighting to keep your heart and your attention on God. You're fighting. The Bible says, I will give you my spirit. God doesn't demand anything. He just says, bring your heart and I will fill it with my spirit. My Holy Spirit will come in. And my Holy Spirit is powerful enough to empower you to do the right thing. And this is where, as believers, we have to establish, beloved, why the need and why we need to bring our hearts to God. Every time we pray, why do we need to bring our hearts to God? Every time we lay hold of God, because the truth be told, beloved, He needs to transform us and He needs to empower us. Tell me a man, tell me a woman, Show me a man and show me a woman that has given their heart completely to praying, seeking God, and I'll show you a man or a woman who has power over sin and distraction. No doubt. It's connected. When your whole heart is given to what you do, you know what makes a great athlete? His heart is in it. You know what makes a great marriage? Your heart is in it. You know what makes you a great worker? Your heart is in it. You know what makes you a great student? Your heart is in it. You know what makes you a great Christian? Your heart is in it. That's it. And When you pray, you see, this is what the devil is doing today. He is so good at distracting our minds. He is so good At taking our minds off from the most important things that you and I need to strive to have in our Christian life, our relationship with God. He's distracting us because He understands when your heart is there. Can you get it tonight, beloved? He wants to take your heart away because He knows if your heart is there, you will be empowered. And when you're empowered, you can have the power to say no to sin and unrighteousness. This is what the Bible says. I will put my spirit. And oftentimes, can I twist the the lingo a little bit here? The reason we're not empowered, the reason you're weak, is because you've not locked hearts in with God. Now again, I want to be very careful with what I say. This is not the only reason This is one of the many reasons, but I believe this is significantly the basis of why people become so weak in their walk with God. I cannot build relationship with my wife if all she does is she talks to me sweet. Yeah, darling, I love you. But she knows what to say. You know, some people are like that. They know how to tell you what you want to hear, but their heart isn't there. And I cannot build relationships when people are like that because they are not real. They are not real. And I believe that's true even with God. The third thing that God requires our heart for tonight, and we close, in verses 28, Ezekiel... uh, 36 verses 28, then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. Why does God require our heart in everything we do? You have to check tonight. Why does God require? Because the third reason I believe the scripture reveals to us is to establish us. The scripture tells us, then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. Can I declare to you, this is what brings stability in your walk with God. When the lies of the world begins to appear and people try to tell you false nonsense and doctrines of demons and they promote to you things that are against God and His teaching, and they come to you with all kinds of sweet treats to tell you, oh, this is more appealing than this. You can stand your ground because God has established you. In other words, what am I saying? When your heart is in it, tonight as you're listening to me preach, when your heart is in it, God will speak to you. Tonight as you pray, when your heart is in it, God will meet with you. When your heart is in it. You're allowing God to establish you. So what happens? The conviction and the revelation becomes personal. Oh, you shouldn't type. No, no, no. Listen, God showed me that's biblical. You know what some Christians do? They listen to everybody. Oh, this person said this and that person. When will you get your own conviction to do what God has taught us in the Bible? How does that happen? when your heart is completely given to God. That people will come out, you don't have to pray so often. No, I have to, because God showed me. It's scriptural. It's biblical. I am doing this because I know. It's established. I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to shake. I'm not going to become, you know, a, 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 a domino piece that falls and, you know, begins to give in and compromise. I am certain because God has established it in my heart. Are you with me tonight? So you see, this is why coming with your heart completely. You see, I've always told the church, play hard, work hard, and serve with all your heart. Come on, have fun. Go out and have a good time with your friends. Go play badminton, have fun, sports, all. have a hobby, enjoy yourself. Then as you work, work with all your heart. Do it to the best of your ability. But when it comes to church, Come with all your heart. It's as simple as that. And when you come with your heart, I declare to you, beloved, God is able, God is able to establish the dynamics of His Word in your heart that no longer does it become foreign anymore, now it becomes personal. I want to experience God in a very personal way. I do what I do because I have conviction, like what I shared with you on Sunday night regarding what my wife and I has decided regarding our house and the the business and people speaking. It it was a personal conviction. Nothing was going to move me. Why? Because I've had moments with God. Some people can't. The moment somebody says something, you waver. The moment someone tells you something that seems appetizing, you fall. It's time tonight to come with all your heart and to give Jesus your utmost attention. Let's close with this last scripture tonight. I want to look at a man by the name of Amaziah. He was a king in Israel. And looking at the Scripture, I'm going to read two portions of the Scripture. First, uh, 2 Chronicles 25 verses 2. And then we're going to go from there and then read verses 14 through 16 after that. The Bible now says in 2 Chronicles, the Bible says, and he did what was right. Listen listen to this word. Listen to what, what Amaziah was, Okay. Amaziah did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. He did it. He did it. It's not that he did. He did what was right. His heart wasn't there. And I'm telling you, beloved, can can I just speak very bluntly to you? Somewhere, it's going to catch up to you. you. You can put on a front for only so long. You can only... Put on an appearance only for so long. Somewhere you're going to lose your appetite for God and you're going to become an Amaziah. And I'll tell you why. Look at Amaziah right here in verses 14 through 16. Just just look at this man. Now it was so. After Amaziah came from the slaughter of the Edomites, he brought the gods of the people of Seir, set them up to be his gods and bowed down before them and burned incense to them. Therefore the anger of the Lord was aroused against Amaziah and he sent him a prophet who said to him, Why have you sought the gods of the people which could not rescue their own people from your hand? So it was as he talked with him that the king said to him, Have we made you the king's counsellor? Look look at Amaziah, he's getting upset. He's angry with the man of God. Who are you? Did we ask for your advice? Did we ask for you to speak? it goes on, it says, Have we made you the king? Cease! Why should you be killed? Then the prophet ceased and said, Look at what the prophet said. I know that God is determined to destroy you because you have done this and have not heeded my advice. So here's a king. We know that this man wanted to go against the Adamites and he began to foolishly employ a thousand hired men from Israel. These were men of valor. These were men who had some form of skill. And the Bible says that God wasn't in it. This was not God's plan. This was not God's intention. He hired them. He paid them a hundred talents. And somehow as he receives a rebuke from the man of God that he should not be doing this, we know, beloved, that what he has done was not right. And yet he went on to do it because somewhere God could have no access into his heart. Can, can you imagine this? God, the most powerful being on earth, can't even tell you you're wrong. Because the moment He tells you that, you get upset. You, get, you blow up. You, you begin to retaliate. Who, who told you that I'm there? This is nothing wrong. What's wrong with you? And, and you get upset. But the problem is, the root cause, your heart has never been desiring to obey God in the first place. Never. You just want the position. Amaziah wanted the title. He wanted to be recognized. His intentions were never to obey God. And how many know that as Christians, we can be the same tonight? We can come to God, have all the outward appearance, get upset, because when we are corrected, we are told we are wrong. We cannot swallow that pill because somehow our heart hasn't even been there. So why do they get angry? Why do they get upset? Why do they blow up? Because they were never sincere in the first place. And my challenge to you tonight is this: Don't be an amaziah. The greatness of our God, He lacked. The hearing, he lacked the receiving from God. How many know, beloved, you can sit in a service like this and God is speaking to you. God is warning. God is instructing. God is correcting. And we can sit here and just decline to respond because our heart isn't even here. That's what upsets people oftentimes when they're told they're wrong. And I declare to you tonight, beloved, that after receiving victory over the Adamites, instead of showing gratitude to God, you know who he appreciated and expressed gratitude to? To the gods of the Adamites. I've seen this so many times. And I declare to you tonight, you can save yourself the trouble of having to ever become an Amaziah. That when God blesses you, the moment they come to church, they pray, God, give me a job. God, bless me. And the moment God gives them what they want, you know what happens? They turn away from God. That's why I've always told people in this church, let people come to church. Let them know God. Let them connect with God. And let them grow personally with God. Don't interfere. Sometimes we talk too much. We say things that we shouldn't be. We gossip about politics to people. Listen, be careful when you stumble. I've had people walk away from church because they were not ready. But people talk all kinds. When they're in church, talk about God. Talk about Jesus. That's why they're here. But we always, we don't know where a person I can tell you tonight, we can be 15, 20 people maybe here. Don't know where your heart is. I can't tell. I'm not God. You're here. Praise God. But the contents of your heart and where you really stand, only you can determine. But I challenge you tonight. Don't, 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 don't take people's heart away from God. Don't. Oh, they should be matured enough. No. No. My children at the age of six, at the age of eight, don't know what to do if you give them 50 ringgit. They're not matured enough. And so we think, oh, because the person got gray hair or they're old and they should be mature. <laughs> You'd be surprised. you will be surprised. you will be surprised. Let them grow. Let them know God. Let them mature in their relationship with God. And let God do what He needs to do in them. But the key tonight is let them give their heart completely my job as a pastor here is to ensure that this environment allows you to come and give your heart to god if anybody distracts that i will come against it because this church is a house of god and we're here for one reason to grow in god now i'm challenging you let let us come together with that heart completely given Sold out to God. Then He can change us. Then He can empower us. And then is able to equip us and do a work in our hearts and give us solid ground to stand on that nobody can shake us because that's what we want. When the earthquake comes, what does the Bible say? The house that is built with the rock will stand the test of time. Amen. And that's when the real tests will come. I want you to bow your heads with me.